0: The Writers Guild of America is putting its pens down. The group, representing nearly 12,000 television and film writers across the country, is entering their second week on strike. The WGA says after six weeks of negotiations, they were unable to reach a deal with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which bargains on behalf of Hollywood. Joining us now to discuss the impact of the strike on Chicago TV shows and programs is Zaid Dorn. He's a professor in the Department of Radio, Television and Film at Northwestern University and the Chicago captain for WGA members. Welcome to Reset, Zaid. Thanks for having me. So uh, fill us in. Why is this happening? Why, why did negotiations fall apart here?
1: Well, it's happening for a lot of reasons. But the bottom line is, you know, the last time we negotiated our CBA, our collective bargaining agreement, was six years ago. We usually negotiate every three years. But because of the pandemic, we couldn't negotiate three years ago. So you can imagine how much in the industry has changed in six years with the rise of streaming and you know just so much is different about the day-to-day life of writers and ultimately what it's meant is that the studios are keeping more and more money they're not sharing uh the profits and and writers are no longer sharing in the success of the content we create you know um what we're asking for is about two percent of the profits of scripted shows that writers collectively create. Mm -hmm. And until the studios can kind of come back to the table with some reasonable offer that allows writers to make a living doing what we do, uh, the strike is likely to
0: continue. Yeah. How many WGA members are here in Chicago?
1: In Chicago, we think, you know, we don't know exactly because people move around a lot, especially now with virtual work and everything. But we think there's about 60 or 70 active WGA members in Chicago.
0: So what are you hearing then from from local members? What are they saying about negotiations and, and now the strike?
1: Yeah. Well, I think everybody's concerned about the uncertainty of it all. You know, many of us were involved actively in projects that we had to pause or stop uh, at the beginning of the strike. For a lot of people, that means, you know, they have to think about their next mortgage bill or their next rent payment. There, Many people are trying to support families. So it, it like any strike, there's uncertainty and concern, but I would say overwhelmingly people are united in the idea that we're you know, showing solidarity with our colleagues on the East and West coasts and that we are determined to strike until we get a better deal. Um, I don't know if you know, but 98% of WGA members voted to authorize this strike. That's the yeah. highest uh, strike authorization vote we've ever had.
0: Mm-hmm. I mentioned the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers earlier. Tell us who they represent.
1: You know, they mostly represent the big studios, the streamers, the companies you've heard of. They represent Netflix and Warner Brothers and Disney and Fox. And, you know, their goal is to keep as much of the profits as possible. And so many of the studios nowadays are owned by these giant multinational conglomerates and tech companies like Apple um, and, you know, they, they are trying to answer to their shareholders to be able to show increasing profits every year. And what we're trying to say is, you know, the the studios are making more money than ever before. They're contributing to the giant profits of these enormous companies. Mm-hmm. And they should be sharing some of the profits with the writers who create that content.
0: What have they brought to the table so far?
1: You know, they negotiated for a couple of weeks and they made small movements in certain areas, but they have not budged on the kind of big existential questions that writers are facing. Things like, you know, small writers' rooms that only last a few weeks so that writers are basically left working as if this is a gig economy. You know, I right. think a lot of what we're, what we're seeing is tech companies trying to turn this into a, um, you know, a job where every few weeks you have to find a new job. And that's just not a sustainable way for writers to uh, build a career.
0: You're talking about this, this shift that was made to mini-rooms,
1: Yes, exactly, mini rooms. So it used to be that if you got a job on a, on a network show, that was going to be a 22-episode season, and you might be working for six months on that show, and mm-hmm. you'd be involved in the room and in production. Now, often they cre- they form these small mini rooms before they even greenlight a series, so a writer might work four, six, eight weeks, and then basically lose that job while the show goes into production, and be looking for the next job. And there's just no possible way, even for very successful writers to have the stability that that they need to um, to make a life as a writer.
0: Yeah. So what has uh, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, what, what have they been telling the WGA as to why they aren't able to meet writers where they're at?
1: Well, they're, you know, they're saying a lot of things. One thing they say is that profit's in the last couple of years are down or not where they want them to be. Um, you, might, you probably know that they've invested huge amounts of money in content to build their streaming services, right? So a company like Netflix or a company like uh, Disney has poured hundreds of millions of dollars into making shows. And if you look at just the bottom line of those streaming services, they're showing negative re- revenue. But of course, they are building subscriber base, they knew when they invested that money in content that the goal was long term profitability. And in the case of a company like Apple, they make content not just to make profit off of that content, but to sell iPhones and to drive people to their app store. Mm -hmm. So you know, they're saying they can't share money that isn't there. And we're saying, this is a hugely profitable industry and um and the writers deserve to share in some of those profits
0: so the the Writers' Guild negotiates their contract with the alliance every three years. Mm-hmm. Um, not only were they not able to reach an agreement, but negotiations lasted substantially longer what's what's different?
1: Well, I think what's different is that everybody knew that this was a big negotiation. Again, we didn't get to negotiate three years ago substantially because of the pandemic. So that meant that a lot of issues got kicked down the road. And we knew that this was going to be a very serious negotiation. And I think both the Writers Guild and the studios knew that writers were really fed up with the status quo and determined to make real change. And, you know, the power of withholding our labor, the power of calling a strike is one of the big Tools we have in in the negotiation to um, to improve that situation, and we think we're not only standing up for writers, but for everybody in the in the industry to make this, uh, you know, uh, in the long term, a sustainable career path for all sorts of artists and craftspeople who work in the
0: industry. If you're just tuning in, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we are talking about the local impact of the recent Writers Guild of America strike with Northwestern University professor of radio, television, and film, Zaid Dorn. He's also the Chicago captain for the Writers Guild of America members. So I wanna dig deeper into something you brought up earlier, Zaid, right? I mean, there's no doubt, as we know, TV and film, it's been impacted by, you know, increasingly popular streaming services, some of the ones we named Mm -hmm. earlier. Talk about how that's impacted the way that writers are able to work in the industry
1: yeah well one big issue is that you know six eight years ago many writers made their living off you know what we call residuals basically back-end payments if you had a show if you wrote for a show that was successful i mean let's say 10 years ago a writer wrote an episode of the office or 15 or 20 years ago wrote an episode of seinfeld you know those were hugely successful shows and those shows might play several times on the network and then might be um syndicated and and rerun many, many times after that. Every time that happened, the writers got a payment, residual payment for the success of that show that was negotiated in our previous contracts. But once these companies moved over to streaming, uh, residuals dried up to a trickle. Sometimes they don't exist at all because, you know, if Netflix buys a show, they keep it at Netflix forever. They don't tell us how many people are watching those shows, how many times they're being replayed so we have to renegotiate the way that writers are compensated if the companies are going to put content on streamers and not have any transparency about how many people are watching we can't figure out how much of uh, how much money they're making from those shows and how much they should be sharing with us mm-hmm. so a lot of it is exactly that it's about transparency in screen- in streaming profits and sharing some of that money with the writers
0: you know hollywood may be king but we know quite a few tv shows actually film here in chicago mm-hmm. How is this strike going to impact locally filmed TV shows and movies?
1: Yeah, I think in the long run, if the strike uh, keeps, you know, goes on through the summer, it will start really having a, a, a knock-on effects all through the industry and certainly in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Chicago specifically, the big kind of uh, production season tends to be fall through spring. So we're entering into a kind of a slow period during the summer where most of the shows that do work in Chicago You know the chicago fire type series and red line they're on hiatus anyway they're on hiatus and so for a little while it won't matter to those shows although i'm sure the writers rooms are impacted and i'm sure they're going to start to see delays as writers have pencils down and are not working but yeah if it runs into late summer or into the fall you'll see a lot of production shut down Already you're seeing in, in Hollywood, you know, Stranger Things has shut down. Severance has shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's definitely going to have a big impact on, on the pipeline of content.
0: I mean, if it runs into late summer and fall, this will make it longer than the 2007 strike. Wouldn't yeah, a
1: hundred some days is our was how long our last strike lasted. Right. And, and I'm hopeful that it won't last that long. But I do think writers are very determined to... Um, be in it for the long haul, if that's what it takes.
0: Yeah. Is the impact felt sooner for for shows that run on a sort of a quicker schedule? Uh, Thinking about those late night shows, right? Like Saturday Night Live, the late shows... (laughs) Daily exactly. show. I'm sure
1: many viewers have already noticed that the uh, late shows, Colbert and, and mm-hmm. Seth Meyers have gone dark. They're already off the air because they need writers in the room every day. Right. Saturday Night Live has canceled the rest of their season because they need writers every week. And as I said, already a lot of big shows, Stranger Things, the new Game of Thrones spinoff, those shows have already you know gone dark. The, the writers rooms have closed, the production has stopped. And so shows that were gonna show up in fall or in winter are, are gonna be delayed by this, no yeah. question. One of the reasons we're hoping the studios will come back to the table sooner rather than later.
0: So in in a list of objectives for negotiations, the WGA wrote that it wants to, quote, regulate use of materials produced using artificial intelligence or similar technologies. Yeah. Are there legitimate concerns that Hollywood would try to use something like ChatGPT to start writing <laughs> television scripts?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think there are legitimate concerns. I'll tell you what they are. I mean, I don't think anybody who's played with ChatGPT has probably seen that it's both a very impressive technology, but also it's nowhere near ready to write a television script. Certainly not not to write anything interesting. (laughs) Or accurately. (laughs) No, or accurately. So I don't think anybody's worried in the short term about AI replacing writers. But I I do think there's some real concerns, not just for writers, of course, but for many industries. And I'll tell you what we're most concerned about is things like, you know, let's say ChatGPT and these kinds of language learning models progress to the point where uh you know a studio executive or a producer might have an idea and they might you know turn to ai to kind of turn it into a usable treatment or a kind of very rough ugly draft of a script and then they'll of course have to hire a writer to come in and make it anything good anything right. human anything interesting <clears throat> mm-hmm. but you know that could mean that that writer is working for a week instead of 10 weeks or you know two weeks instead of two months i mean Uh, you know, writer's labor, it takes a while to do what we do, and it takes years and years of training and experience to be good at it. Um, So what we don't want is to see a, a time when these tools and they are powerful tools, they could be useful tools for writers. But we don't want those tools to replace writers we want writers to be able to use those tools as they develop and as they evolve and and still you know maintain what is essentially a human process which is storytelling telling human stories for other human beings yeah so our basic bottom line about ai is you know writers are always human beings and they have to be compensated as human beings ai is just a tool that humans use to you know, make the stories that absolutely.
0: We make. I mean, and some other human beings that would be impacted if if this strike were to continue much longer. I'm I'm talking about you know support productions, right? Like absolutely. drivers, dry cleaners, mm-hmm. caterers. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot yeah. of a lot of people and, that could be impacted here.
1: And one of the very impressive things so far has been the solidarity that our sister unions across the industry have shown to to this strike. You know, the Teamsters Union, which is most of the truck drivers and support staff who move things around build sets they have refused to cross picket lines and have been standing in solidarity with the writers and so yeah and and of course we're very concerned not just for the writers who are impacted but for the other craftspeople and workers who who are put out of work by these kinds of work stoppages but ultimately that's why it's all about you know unions standing in solidarity with one another and when iotzi or the teamsters or the sag screen actors guild When they go on strike, writers are going to stand in solidarity with them. So it's about kind of, you know, uh, showing up for each other in that way.
0: Yeah. The CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, David Zaslav, said uh, in an interview, he said he thinks a, quote, love for working is going to bring (laughs) an end to the strike. What do you think? Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, I wonder if he would keep working if he didn't make any money. You know, I think um, we, of course, writers love what they do, but very, very, very few writers can make a sustainable living off of writing. And, you know, I don't think anybody's saying that the strike should force the studios to make sure every writer who wants to write a television script should have a comfortable life. But what we're saying is in success, when a writer creates something that is profitable for the studios, they should share that money. And, you know, uh, the the last thing I would say about that is writers love to write. I love to write. Mm -hmm. But, you know, writing for the studios is what we do to make a living, to support our writing. If they're not going to pay for that work, we can just write for ourselves and, and make other kinds of work. So it's not, it's, it's disingenuous to say, writers should just keep working because they love it. I mean, yes, we love it, but like all workers, we also need to be paid for the labor that we put in.
0: Leave us with this Zaid, when can we expect the next round of negotiations between the two parties?
1: Well, right now, the studios, the AMPTT is is, is sitting down with the DGA, the Directors Guild of America to start their negotiations. So we're not, you know, we're one piece in a large moving puzzle. I think probably there are channel conversations still happening. I hope there are. I think ultimately the studios are going to have to see that, again, we had a 98% strike authorization vote. The writers are hugely united, hugely determined. There's no way that we're going back to work until a reasonable and good faith offer is put back on the table. So I hope that's happening now. I hope it happens soon. But, yeah. um, you know, we're going to be out on the picket lines until
0: it happens. Zay Dorn is a professor in the Department of Radio, Television, and Film at Northwestern University. He's also the Chicago captain for WGA members. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you.